What is your water? When I had a teacher who made me feel loved, it was monumental. It was revolutionary. It was something that was so unheard of. This year um, has been the hardest in my teaching career. And you would think, you know, like, oh, it just gets easier as it goes on. But no, I, I don't think anyone could ever predicted or prepared for anything like this. The things that often are coming from other people and, you know, for educators, I think we all know that sound, right? It starts when we were in academics. It's the sound of the good teachers, the bad teachers, the scary teachers, the kind teachers. My students are individuals bringing things into the classroom and I, as an educator, am an individual bringing things into the classroom on that day as well. I've seen magic before, like in a real way. Like, like, you know, people joke all the time or we say in jest to each other that black folks are magical, but like, I've seen it. I do think that educators should break rules. I think that they need to go against some of the policies, some of the regulations. Empathy is love when you get right down to it. Empathy is love. It's the ability to see things from someone else's perspective, to imagine what it's like to be them. And that requires love. This is the purpose. This is the drive. This is why we're here. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to Sips. And so, you know, we've shared before that season two is coming. But while you're all awaiting, we wanted to make sure that we're giving you something to keep you nourished and hydrated. And so here is another sip. Okay, y'all, check this out. I, I finally did it. I did it. I have, well, at least in my opinion, I have perfected this smoothie recipe. And, you know, it took some time, but I was dedicated. And so I kept tweaking and watching like my Tabitha Brown videos on Instagram. I'm like on repeat really trying to learn as much as I could from her about combining different ingredients. And I think that I did it. I think today was the day. And so, you know, I'm always talking about nourishing our bodies, right? And our minds and our hearts. And at the beginning of my journey, I really struggled with this. I really struggled with this sort of nourishment and this self-care because I would confuse it with um, like overindulgence and things that brought me pleasure. Right. So, for example, after a long work day, I used to come home um, and I would bake a pan of brownies uh, and the brand didn't really matter. I used all the different brands. I actually thought like one was better than the other. And then I did a little bit of research and realized they're all the same. Brownies are brownies and I love them all. But anyway, I would bake them and eat them all in one night. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is self-care. This is so great. And it was, of course, pleasurable. But I later realized um, and my therapist definitely helped me realize that this wasn't necessarily good for my body. And so I started saying, okay, when you want a brownie, eat one and enjoy it. But also be critical of how you are or are not taking care of yourself. So during this pandemic, I really have become a lot more intentional about my physical needs, which led me to these smoothies. Smoothies really, you know, as a way to get my fruits and my veggies. And so today was a day, y'all, that I figured it out. This is the recipe. And so I want to share it with you all. And again, feel free to modify it. I'll make sure that we drop the details and the ingredients, if you will, in the description notes. But here's how I always start. And so I take a, an orange, just like a regular orange, like a large orange. And I have this really, like this cute uh, juicer. 
Um, and, you know, I, you half the orange, put it on top, and then you rotate it, and there's a juice. And so the juice from one large orange, I put that first. Then I add a tablespoon of oatmeal, um, which is really for fiber. And the oranges, as we know, have, have tons of benefits, vitamin C being one of them. But after the oatmeal, I add a handful of blueberries, strawberries, sliced carrots, and one banana um, for sweetness, just for me. I know some folks don't need that, but I do need a little bit of sweetness, a little bit of sugar. And so banana is just one healthy way to get it. And then I top that with a handful of spinach, half of an avocado, and a few spoonfuls of yogurt. And then I, you know, blend. Um, and then you can use anything you want. I have a, oh my gosh, what is this? I think it's a Ninja, but I've had the Nutribullet. They're all really the same. And depends on the consistency you want, you can really add more or less juice depending. That is the recipe. That is, you know, Shamari smoothie. But let me say this, starting my day off with the smoothies has really been amazing for my body. Like I feel better. I have like so much energy and like in my skin, I think so. It's the skin for me. I remember growing up, you know, a lot of people would always say, you know, um, thank goodness I don't look like what I've been through. That's really how I feel with a smoothie. Like it has me glowing, the skin is popping and I feel like I look great, even though this time right now is a lot. What, you know what I mean? To teach and live during this time. It's just really heavy sometimes, but I don't look like what I'm going through because of the smoothie. And so try it, you know, if you want to. And so in thinking about <laughs> how we're navigating these times, right? And not looking like what we've been through. I was talking uh, with, an old, with a teacher friend of mine just, you know, this past weekend. And we were unpacking and unraveling together and crying together because that's what we do when we get together sometimes. And we realized that even though the skin looks great, right? And I, and I feel amazing. We realized just how much we've been carrying. And so we both spoke a lot about navigating, you know, less than desirable work environments and dealing with discrimination in education. And so as we drink our smoothies this morning, I just wanted to share some of the highlights from that conversation in case any of you listening are navigating similar circumstances because we're human and we know that oppression is real first and that discrimination can really hurt. And so in talking, you know, with my friend, unpacking these things, as humans who teach in schools, I want to share this. The first, find community. You know, we don't have to work alone. And that community might not be in your school building. It'd be great if, if it is, but sometimes we know we just can't find community there. And so find community on Twitter, if possible. Clubhouse or some other space, it could be digital or, or virtual, but Find community. Find people who support you and who will back you up when you stand up for yourself. Because y'all, I don't think we can be naive anymore. I think that we know that there are people in schools, um, unfortunately, and in positions of power who are still unlearning and unpacking, you know, their participation in oppressive systems. And they have they have a lot to unlearn and unpack. And so then it should come as no surprise that some of us are experiencing discrimination at work and in schools. And so I want to say to all of you listening who may be experiencing discrimination, you're not the only one. You're not alone. You're not over-exaggerating. You're not being dramatic. You're not being irrational. This happens and it hurts. But I want you to know that you're not alone and you don't have to work alone. And so find community if you can so that you have people to lift you up when you are taking a stance. The second thing I really wanted to share, you know, that my, my teacher friend and I were talking about as we were thinking about how we navigated, right, um, is document everything. 
like document everything. Every encounter that you think is discriminatory, I want you to like take thorough notes. I mean, like the date, the time, the place, the name of everyone who was involved, what was said. Because something I learned, what, two or three years ago from, you know, Dr. Gloria Latin Billings is that people in power love paperwork. And so we're going to have to use paperwork in our advocacy. And so document everything that's going on, which might mean um, you push people into email. You know, I left a job a few years ago that just wasn't healthy for me. And toward the end, when I was really sharing about my experiences, I really did not take phone calls or in-person meetings. And I wanted to do it all in email. Not because I was shy or um, I didn't want to confront anyone. I just wanted to document it because I know that sometimes people will say that things didn't happen the way that you saw them, right? Or, or it becomes your word against theirs. And so if possible, keep a sort of running record of everything that's happening so that you can, one, present these things as patterns. And so my friend and I were talking about this and sort of he was sharing that... Um, particularly when you go to file any kind of claim, and I don't want to get too, you know, uh, like sad here, but when you file any kind of claim or discrimination, they're going to ask you for proof and evidence. And it's a lot harder when you don't have any written evidence to just say, oh, it's my word against theirs. But if you have emails and you have sort of thorough notes, um, it makes it a little bit easier to advocate for yourself. And so for those of you who might be going through things, um, and because you know it's real and it hurts, just take note of it, just document it. Um, and when possible, Rely on emails. The third and final thing I want to share is this. Think about your home place. In her book, We Want to Do More Than Survive, you know, Dr. Bettina Love references bell hooks. And she references bell hooks' idea of home place, which is really like just a space or a place, um, as bell hooks talked about it. These are spaces in which Black people sort of learn to matter. Spaces where we could experience genuine care and love. Think of your home place so that you can find it or create it because you deserve it. Because sometimes even after finding community, even after documenting everything and filing claims, there are times in which nothing changes. And so sometimes we have to leave because we still feel that our workplaces are heavy and oppressive. And I don't think this is an easy conversation or an easy decision because we all have different access obligations and privileges. But if you can leave and you feel that you must, consider what it means to go somewhere where you are loved, a home place. And if you have sort of spelled out what that home place looks like and what you need, you can then narrow your search as you look for new schools and new positions, but you can also ask very particular questions and interviews to make sure the next space isn't as harmful. And so I know this is a lot, but we're not alone. You're not alone. And so thank you for listening. Uh, take care of yourselves because as humans who teach, you deserve it. Until next time, in peace and love. Bye.